Welcome back to Presence and Purpose, a show all about helping you build an authentic online presence and live out your God-given purpose. I want you to be seen and heard by the people who need your message and services most, but I know that seems easier said than done because there's a lot of noise online. I'm your host, Natalie Arndt. I built my brand strategy business back in the beginning of 2018 and quickly learned through trial and error that being yourself isn't a cheesy cliche, but actually the key to building a strong, profitable online brand. Now I help Christian coaches and service providers do the same. I'm here to help you attract the right clients and build a thriving online community with tangible tips, behind-the-scenes stories from women just like you, and lessons learned on all things branding, finding your people, sharing your message, and so much more. friend, do you cringe at the idea of niching down because you love to do all the things in your business? Then you are going to love today's episode. I am talking with Kristen Edwards, who is a certified life passion coach, motivational speaker, and personal development expert. So in this episode, she is sharing how to find your niche when you're multi-passionate, like why you need to work backwards, focus on your ABCs, action brings clarity, how to find your zone of genius so you can really laser focus on what you do best, right? Looking at all your passions and and singling out the one or the ones that you are truly best at. Connecting the dots so that you can combine the things that you do best into one focus area, aka your niche. And why knowing yourself is the key to plan out your money-making tasks and know what to outsource in your business. So this is a wonderful episode. I can't wait for you to listen. So let's jump in. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So we are going to be talking today about finding your thing, finding your niche as a multi-passionate person, which I'm really excited to dive into with you. Um, But first, I want to start out by asking you a fun fact. So what is one thing that most people don't know about you? Um, so I think people have figured out that I sing a little bit. Um, what they don't know is that I actually used to write songs. And so I've written like the equivalent of three albums, um, in the last 10 years, never recorded them, but I'm a songwriter as well. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. You should do something with them. One day. We'll see. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Well, and that perfectly leads into um, your journey. So I would love if you could tell us kind of like a brief synopsis of where you've been, how you got to um, your business right now. Yeah. So all the things becomes an understatement um, and you'll kind of hear it as I start this. So I grew up as a theater kid. I played sports because that's how you do things. And so I am actually decently athletic, but I'm truthfully a musical theater kid, which is where the singing also comes in. Um, But, you know, as you're told growing up, the arts don't pay your bills, be responsible. So I was going to be a pediatrician. I liked science enough, um, but not enough (laughs) to continue studying it. So I changed my major way too many times in college, but eventually went down the route of training and development. And so people know it in the HR space, 
um, and then became a recruiter. I was training people in sales, um, customer service management, that kind of thing, and then recruiting new employees and my recruiting career evolved over time. So I've recruited from education to technology to everything in between. Um, but in doing all of that and doing the right thing and being responsible, I was leaving out that creative side of me. And so I was like, well, based on where I live in the Northeast, how can I make a little extra money and have fun being creative? So I became a wedding planner, got my certification, um, doing all the logistics because when you're training and in that corporate world, I had to put together my own events. And so I had the logistics background to do it. From a wedding planning, I became an event designer, started doing floral arrangements for those weddings and baby showers, that kind of thing. Um, and then while working with my brides, I started like coaching them. And I thought you had to be like 60 to be a coach. Like in my mind, every coach I knew was <laughs> closer to my parents' age than my age. And so I was like, well, you know, it'll just be a bonus, right? And so if you think about the wedding planning, and even if you've never been married, the thought of it alone, you need a million dollars to have a wedding in the United States. Um, and so brides are working full time, probably working a second job to get the money for that wedding. And then planning a wedding in and of itself is another part-time job. And so I started helping them with their productivity skills, their personal development of how do you take your personality and bring it to life into your wedding? What is that theme going to be without it looking tacky um, at the same time? And so um, then I was like, I actually really like the personal development decided to start the life coach training. In my mind, it was a 30-year plan because I, again, thought you had to be 60 <laughs> to do this um, as well. So I was a wedding planner, event designer, a corporate trainer, and a personal development coach all at the same time. And I thought, like, well, we're just going to do all the things. Um, and as I, you know, got more and more into the coaching world, I was like, you know what, this is where my heart is. This is what I love doing. And I moved in my corporate job less and less training and more recruiting. So I wasn't getting that training piece, um, which you get to do as a coach and a strategist. And so I got more excited on that. And I was like, well, if I host a retreat or a conference, I can bring logistics into that event. And so over time, I round up all those different skills and narrowed it down that now I am a passion coach. But my biggest thing is helping women to one, revive their creativity. Don't let that die when building the business of your dreams. Um, but then really also having the confidence to let all of you shine, not just picking one part of your life that's awesome, but whatever you're great at and the things that you do best, find a way to connect them and then bring that service to the world. So create your own niche, create your own offer. You don't need to follow in someone else's footsteps. You can be the bridge that a lot of people are looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know, you know, that I say this often, but um, I think it's so important to really like focus in on like what is authentic to us and like, you know, what are the weird things that we like that seem to not go together, but it's like, that's who you are. Like, you know, you don't have to um, try to match like what the industry kind of stereotypical package or whatever is. Um, I know in like the creative entrepreneur space, I remember jumping in and seeing a lot of designers that were like, had super cool, like purple hair and were like really like quirky. And I was like, man, I wish I was like cool like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I'm not like I'm I'm a total hippie and I don't want to dye my hair and so it's just you know owning like the things that are natural to you um and you know I love hearing how you have kind of progressed through this totally not linear journey of like I'm doing this and then I'm doing this but I think it's so cool also to look at like, you know, 2020 hindsight and see the different things that like you learn these skills and you gain these experiences that just so perfectly equip you for, you know, the next part of the chapter. Um, and, you know, in going into that, I would love if you could share kind of your process of like how you found that thing um because i know one huge resistance piece that i hear often to niching down in any way in terms of like picking your audience picking your focus for your business um is that it's hard to like find your thing especially for someone who is like you and identifies as multi-passionate and is just like but i love all the things i don't want to stop doing all the things <laughs> Yeah. And so the truth is, don't narrow down. Like eventually, yes, you're going to have to pick something because you won't make it to be a millionaire until you actually develop the iPhone. But how many things were created before we ever had the first iPhone? And now we're on 11. And I don't even like Apple products that much. But it's an example that people get um, as well. And so it doesn't matter. Your thought of saying, I want to create the next iPhone, that's a great big goal. But we're going to have to start out with creating a computer. We're going to have to start out with knowing what technology even is. And so work backwards is my favorite way to do it. Start at the big crazy dream, which for most of us, as much as we don't want to admit it, is to be a millionaire, right? As Christians, we're taught to say, I want to make a difference in the world. But living in the world, we know that money, whether we're giving it, but usually money is kind of what does that. So you have to earn that living. You have to earn that income in order to go out and make a difference. So if that's your big lofty goal, great. I want to do that in the next 20 years, right? Like It can be a big long-term dream. What am I going to do this year that puts me on the path to that big 20 year goal. And even when I started with coaching, right? I thought that was a 30 year plan. I can't pick coach till I'm 60, but might as well test the waters now. And then like, oh, look, four years later, you are a coach um, as well. So start working towards that big dream, do it scared, mess up as much as you want. And honestly, like I'm that person who tells you what all the other coaches are not. Don't pick a niche when you start just start something. Start out by testing the waters. I started as a wedding planner. And so to most people, their thought is, how did you get from wedding planning to coaching? And I'm like, I'm planning your life. Instead of planning one day, we're planning everything. We're planning your future. And so it's the same concept when you break it down, but we're taught by society to put everything in a box. So stop putting yourself in a box. Don't limit your own potential. You were created to be so much more than what someone else sees on the surface. There's so many more layers to who you are. And so be honest with yourself and be very willing to just 
do it while scared. Um, the simplest way, I talk about doing your ABCs, right? If you have children, then you start up them off with their ABCs and their one, two, three. So my ABC is that action brings clarity. Action brings clarity. So do it, mess it up, and then you'll figure it out along the way. When you're first learning how to drive a car, my guess is that you weren't perfect the very first time. When you showed up on your very first day of work, right? If you're in your 30s or 40s now, you're established in whatever your career is right now. My guess is when you were 18, it didn't have a clue. And even if you did have a clue when you had a college degree at 22 and all these other things, you still probably aren't, weren't as experienced as you are now. You have to take a step in faith and show up for the first day in order to get where you want to be 10, 20, 30 years from now. So show up, do it scared, have all the nervous jitters, let that nervous energy push you towards the destiny that God has for you. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said that in terms of like working backwards and essentially like taking the pressure off of yourself in the beginning, because it's like, you're not going to have it all figured out. And yes, it's wonderful and great to have this super clear niche and be, you know, a big fish in a small pond, essentially. Um, but when you are just like dipping your toe in the water and trying to get going, like that is not what you need to worry about, because it is totally trying to like have it all figured out. And it's a matter of just, you know, getting into action, like you said, and, you know, being like, I'm going to do these things. And then as you go along, you can maybe reassess and like drop one of those. That's what I did with my business. I started out with this big bucket of like web design and graphic design and brand design and like narrowed it down to now doing personal brand strategy. But like it was a process of elimination of just slowly being like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, you also talked about kind of looking at your zone of genius. And I would love for you to um, kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And so I'd love to take all the credit in the world for this, but I can't. <laughs> so I first found out about zone of genius through Gay Hendricks book, Dr. Gay Hendricks book called The Big Leap. Um, and so in that book, he talks about finding your zone of genius. And so there's four steps to knowing it. And you start by like your zone of incompetence. What do you not like doing? And you're really bad at doing too. Um, for some people, and I'll stereotype because I know most of your audience is women, women are quote unquote bad drivers, right? So I don't like driving and I'm bad at driving. We can cross that off the list and know that I'm not going to open a driving school for anyone, everyone's safety um, as well. So cross things off the list. What do you not like doing? What are you really bad at doing? Then you move up and you talk about, you know, I can do this, but I don't really enjoy it. For me, that's folding laundry. I'm capable of folding laundry, right? Like I do it every week, but do I enjoy it? No. So I'm also not going to open a dry cleaners or a laundry mat. It's just not practical. Then you move up into your zones of competence. I'm good at this. I like doing it, but there's people who are way better at this than me. I think branding is the coolest thing in the world. I love it. I think I've made my own logo like 75 times over the last few years in business. Like I just think hanging out on Canva is fine. However, 
I know that when it comes to branding someone else, and truthfully, the fact that I've had 75 logos in five years also tells you that there's people out there that are way better than me, right? People, Natalie can have a conversation with me just like right now, walk away, create my brand, and I look at my logo and go, you got that from a conversation? What? And then still be mindful and she gets colors and font sizes and all these things. I've seen your work as well as other brand designers. So I know as much as I think hanging out on Canva and I literally have a minor in computer science. I told you I'm all over the place, but like I'm actually good with technology, but that's not my zone of genius. So I also know as much as I think branding is important, essential actually, not my zone of genius, but when I level up, I'm great with strategy. I'm great with logistics. I can plan with my eyes closed and I can connect dots better than most people. I can take things like math and art and show you how they're the same when your brain, because society has taught you it's not. That's my zone of genius. And so I'm gonna work and actually run in that direction of what I'm great at. What, um, what we're told though, even in the zone of genius arena is that you only have one zone of genius. I like bending the rules. I'm an Enneagram P. I don't break them, but I'm going to bend them pretty far. You can have more than one zone of genius. You can be amazing and the best at and love doing more than one thing. Now let's again connect those dots of art and math and how does it align, right? That's geometry. It's a thing, art and math. If you want to draw a perfect circle, you need math in order to get that perfect circumference and then that circumference is what's going to allow you to draw the sun or the moon or whatever other things around um, as well and so bringing those things together what's your actual zones of genius what are the things that i'm great at that quite frankly no one can beat me at doing right like i can write a song but i'm no taylor swift and i'm no beyonce where i write a whole album in half a day like that's not me. Um, it took me a very long time to write those songs. And I'm also not making the effort to record them. So that would be down in my zone of competence, but not my zone of genius. However, I do break out in random song and I'm making an effort to not start singing while recording this podcast. Um, but it's, it's that kind of thing of knowing what am I great at? What do I do really well? And truthfully, there aren't many people that can beat me at this game. Those are your zones of genius, and that's what you should hone in on. And then you monetize it because it's always a bonus if you can make money actually doing something that you love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's so powerful when we think about, um, like, what are the things that only I can do um, in terms of, like, finding your, your focus, finding your zone of genius. Um, and I know I've, I've even done that recently, just looking at like the kind of tasks that I'm doing in my business, like what are the things that are most important that only I can do? Cause I think it's so important to, um, you know, continually look at that. Um, you mentioned kind of getting creative on how you can combine your zone of geniuses. Um, so let's talk about that because I know, I, I definitely have experience with that too in terms of um, branding. Like when I realized that branding was a thing and like dove headfirst into it um, because I, I had never heard of branding before I entered the online business space, I all of a sudden realized that I started out majoring in psychology and I've always been super um, 
artsy, creative in that aspect. Um, and all of a sudden I realized how these things were perfectly coming together. So it's like, yes, I had this nerdy love of psychology and I also love design and I'm a great listener. And it's like all these things were just like perfectly, um, I mean, perfectly orchestrated by God, not something that I could have come up with. Um, but I think that's something that again, with the 2020 hindsight, when we look at like these different areas of our life, and this is kind of your zone of genius is seeing the common threads and connecting the dots and being like, okay, this is how you can kind of package that up. Um, so yeah, I, I would love if you could talk about that a little. Yeah. So I loved your example of psychology. And so I have a master's in educational psychology. My concentration was leadership development. And one of the things that I studied within that space was personality assessments and how those personality assessments create the group dynamics that we use in an educational or corporate setting. I know it sounds boring, but I promise you, when you're a nerd like me, you get really excited. So if you think of things like the DISC assessment or Myers-Briggs or, um, you know, StrengthsFinder, you say, okay, I'm really great at analyzing data. I'm really great at finding clarity. I'm really intuitive and in understanding X, Y, and Z. Other people on your team are horrible at analyzing data, but they can see the biggest possible picture, right? And so we think of it in the corporate setting of a team coming together to reach that end goal. As a business, especially when you're starting out and for the most part starting as a solopreneur, you have to then say, okay, what am I great at? And what do I need to hurry up and make a few dollars on doing so I can offload that? to my next employee, to hire a VA, social media manager, et cetera, um, as well. But you have to, um, I love psychology, so every single one of my clients now will take the Enneagram assessment with me because when I know your personality and I understand what excites you, what frustrates you, and also knowing that I'm an Enneagram 8 and like not always the sweetest person to work with, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to push you. I'm going to challenge you. But if I know how you're going to respond, right? A three when challenge is going to go, all right, let's do this. A six when challenge is going to duck under the table. And then I have to like crawl under the table with her and explain why she should get up and now move forward um, as well. But if I know that about you, then we're going to be able to create a better unit. And that support system is then able to propel you forward. So an Enneagram 8 is not a bad thing. I'm going to push you to your next level. I'm going to push you towards your success. I'm not going to push you into the ground. Also, again, when you know yourself and know how you see the world, why you think the way you think, what you're doing, then you're able to say, okay, combined with my zone of genius, I can now create a plan. And when you have a plan, then again, you can actually find success from it because you know what your plan is, you know what steps to take, that's your action. And then from that action, again, you're making the money and you can say, I don't like writing blogs. I want a ghostwriter in my business. I have no idea what to put on my website. I want to hire a copywriter. I have no idea what my logo should be and I don't even know how to use Canva. I need to call Natalie. Um, and so putting together that unit, as much as you might be in quote unquote business by yourself, you're never alone on your island. And so connect all the dots of not just what you're capable of doing, but then find your team. I have a client now 
who offloads things to her children. Her children are like in college. And so she offloads work like, I'm feeding you. The least you can do is help mommy make the money. And so she offloads some of that work to her children. Even when I was still a wedding planner, um, I'd get like boxes upon boxes of flowers shipped to my house to do these events. And my son knew, go get those buckets of water and support. And so I don't have to worry about having 27 arms to get it all done. I create my team. Some of them don't get paid. Others get paid in food. Others actually get you know significant money. Um, but if you were anything else in life, you would think to get help, right? If you're moving cross country, either you're asking family and friends to help you or you're hiring movers. You don't do it or you just only take one suitcase and you're like, we're gonna go with the essentials and figure it out on the other side. So it's that same exact concept of building your team, but it starts with knowing yourself. When you know yourself from those personality assessments, then you're able to give yourself a foundation and that foundation is what allows you to build the highest tower, right? So for, if you think about the world's tallest buildings, they have basements that go three, four, five levels, where a house that's one or two stories just has a one level basement. And so those same things, a, a palm tree, its roots go as far underneath the ground as it does above the ground. Um, and so the stronger your foundation, the better you are able to stand. And being multi-passionate means that you just get a wider foundation, which means you get a wider house to build out of um, as well. It does not limit you. It actually gives you more, um, more experience and more excitement along the way. Mm -hmm. I love that like visual picture of the the roots of the tree because that's something that all like you know I'll see this big giant oak tree and then I just imagine like and then the roots are also like equally um equally amazing but in terms of like the importance of knowing yourself and self-awareness and taking these personality tests like how important it is because um yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about the Enneagram many times, um, and that's a whole other episode, but it's just, it's so eye-opening, and it is so important, and I can't emphasize that enough, so I'm really glad that you said that. Um, so you've mentioned a couple times just talking about, like, doing it scared, and you've done, like, so many different new things that I... I would love to just kind of hear your thought process of like, did that always come naturally to you? Have you always been the kind of person that has like, I'm going to charge into this, even though I'm terrified. I don't know what I'm doing, but this looks cool. So like, let's go for it. Yeah. I mean, I am definitely that kid that you wondered about, <laughs> um, you know, growing up, you were like, does she not see the danger, um, you know, kind of a thing. And so I was always the person that was excited to try new foods. I wanted to learn about other cultures. In my mind, I could have spoken like 30 languages. I can barely speak two. Um, I can barely speak English sometimes. But, you know, I was always excited to explore and try new things. And so credit to my parents on, you know, giving me that opportunity. But it was definitely scary starting out. Um, but I also was very much like, I was very fortunate that, you know, my parents were immigrants to this country. They had to hop on a plane, very scared and doing it. And so I had that example always there for me. And truthfully, like 
my alternative if I didn't choose this path would have been to be a doctor. And like, that is scary. Like someone's life is actually in your hands um, as well. And so when you look at the alternative, that is the, the biggest thing. Tony Robbins actually really blunt and straightforward. He says, if you don't grow, you die. And I was like, well, I don't like that option. So I guess I'm going to grow. Um, and so always pushing myself forward to try new things. Um, if I thought it was cool, I'll experiment. I have learned to not announce everything that I'm trying on the first day. And so there's things that I've tried and explored that I'm like, well, we probably shouldn't promote this on social media just yet. Um, I did learn that the hard way, but you know, at the same time, it's, um, it's exciting. And just, you have to find the joy in things and what you're doing and being excited to learn and grow. And so you're going to be scared whether you do or whether you don't. Someone is going to judge you whether you do or whether you don't. Might as well take the risk that's going to have a significantly better outcome. And so for me, that started with wedding planning. I was like, I've been to a wedding. I can do this. No, I couldn't. Um, <laughs> you know, the first one I was like, I look back on pictures of my very first wedding and I was like, Oh boy, that was sad. Um, but at the same time, when I look at how I grew in that world, I'm like, all right, that was a pretty cool bouquet at the last wedding. That archway was amazing. I kind of wish I could take that home with me um, as well. And then I started doing that. And so now I have flowers everywhere in my house all the time. Um, even though I'm no longer in that wedding and event, you know, space. So you just have to show up anyways if you and i, I kind of gave this example your very first day of work you were scared but you knew that if you showed up for work you'd get a paycheck and that paycheck depending on your age was either going to buy you mcdonald's or a steak but it didn't matter you were excited to know that you had a paycheck and so it's that same theory of you're going to be scared for your first day of work you're going to be scared when you step onto the stage to sing your first solo but knowing that on the other end of it, there's so much joy and excitement and a future that can always grow makes it worth showing up every time. But yes, there's times that I'm still very scared, like all the time. So it's real. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, when I think back to the times when I was terrified, like so many times in my business when I was scared to do a new thing or consistently show up or like start this podcast. I actually didn't get nervous at first when I started this podcast and then got a little bit into it and panicked. And I was like, what am I doing? But like, when I think back to those things that I was scared to do, it's like, I wish I started sooner. Like almost all of those things, I sat there for a while and was like, oh, I don't know, like questioning it and finally took action, did it scared. Um, and of course, I don't regret anything about my journey because it's all a learning experience, right? Like nothing is wasted, but it's like, you're not going to regret starting scared. If anything, you're going to wish you started sooner because it's like, there's so much growth. Like the example that you gave with the wedding planning, um, looking back and seeing like your first one to like your most recent one. Or when I look back at like my first, first logo design, first visual brand design versus my most recent one, I'm like, wow, that's a big difference. But like, there's, there's so much growth and it, yeah, like starting scared, doing it scared, 
I know is such a cliche phrase in the online business world or just personal development. Um, but it's so true. Like, and it's such, it's such a, I don't know, talking about doing it scared. It's just such a great reminder that like, we're all human and like, it's scary to start new things, but it's so important. So important. Absolutely true. Just do it. Exactly. <laughs> like you said it, just do it. Yeah. Um, so if you wanted the listeners to remember one thing from this conversation, what would it be? Being multi-passionate is not a bad thing. Um, there's so many people, because it's not even just in the online business space, but there's so many people who try to make you feel guilty or ashamed because you're confused or you're lost or you, you don't know what you're doing. You need to pick something. Like, no, I don't have to pick anything. I was created with this many gifts. And truthfully, they're just jealous that they don't have the talent that you were born with. And so hone in on your talents, craft them to be even better. But being multi-passionate is a gift that you should be so proud of and embrace and let the haters hate. But you know what? Be thankful to God that you are capable of doing more than just one thing. You're not limited, you're gifted and walk in that potential and embrace every moment of it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said the point about like you're not being con- or you're not confused um because like you were just saying in terms of doing it scared i think that's where people get them mixed up and they think like i'm stalling because i'm confused it's like no you might just be scared to do it i've caught myself in that so many times where i'm like no i'm not confused i'm telling myself i'm confused cuz that sounds a lot better like that's a better um, reason to not move forward and take action. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm confused. I'm trying to find my clarity. I have all these things I'm passionate about. Um, but oftentimes it is that we're just scared to like move forward and take action. Um, and I also want to like point out too, in terms of being multi-passionate and not feeling bad about that, right? That's a wonderful blessing to have all these things that you're amazing at, that you're passionate about, um, is being careful about who you let in your circle or like who you take advice from. Because there is, you know, again, diversity is a great thing that people have different opinions and different approaches to their work, like within the same industry even. but there's business coaches or people in the business world who will totally knock that in terms of being multi-passionate. You have to pick a thing. And there's people that are like you um, who embrace that and are like, yes, you can find a focus. You can narrow it down, but like you can give yourself grace. You don't have to get there right away. Like it's a journey. And like, this is amazing. Um, So I just think that's so important. Yeah. So there's actually 3.4 million women in the world that identify as multi-passionate, which means that that's just how many know the definition. Um, So probably there's way more, but 3.4 million people in the world identify, women identify as multi-passionate. So again, you're not confused. You're talented. There is a difference. Um, there are people that are confused, but you're not one of them. You are just multi-passionate. And so use those gifts, talents, skills, and ability to 
glorify God, to bring income to your household, to have a great life and enjoy more than one thing. Like you can enjoy more than one thing in life. Mm-hmm. That also reminds me too, just in terms of like kind of finding the next step in terms of like, um, you know, you're not confused, like you need to take action, just like find the next right step for you. Um, and there's, there's a book called, and it's a podcast also, um, by Emily P. Freeman called The Next Right Thing. I don't know. Have you read that before? I haven't read it, but I am aware of it. Okay. It's really good. I actually just recently was going back and rereading parts of it, um, at the park the other day, but that is a great, um, book. I would totally recommend it to anyone. Um, in terms of just like giving yourself grace to like make the next right decision and not like putting, again, putting all this pressure on yourself to have it figured out. Um, because it's impossible. <laughs> like that would be great if we could just like know from the beginning, but it doesn't work that way. So, um, if anyone is listening and they are feeling like decision fatigue, I totally recommend getting that book. It's wonderful. Um, so you have a ebook, um, ready to shift. So tell us about that. Yeah. And so I don't do fluff. And so I want to deliver things that have impact. And so I wrote an ebook, it's like 60 pages, so it won't take you that long, but it's six steps to, um, get focused. So you're going to make time for your best life and then you're going to get focused on what matters most to you. And so in order to build a business, you need to actually have time, space, and energy for that business. And so it gives you six steps to, um, make everything, make yourself ready for that big shift of what's coming in life. But even if you've already started your business, then you're going to have time for the things that you enjoy. And so maybe the business that you started is only one or two of your like five passions, totally fine. Let's have time that you can make those other passions a hobby or um, maybe just a side hustle and not your full-time business as well. And so this book gives you six steps to do it. And I'm so excited to give it to you and let you have it for free just so you can literally make that shift in your life. Be so ready for it. But in order to do all the things that you truly love in life, you got to have some time in the clock and there is possible in the 168 hours you have every week. I promise. Yes. Yeah. And I'll put that link in the show notes um, so that ladies can check that out. Um, where can we find you online? So my Facebook group is called Focus and Fulfilled. If you search multi-passionate women entrepreneurs, you should still find it. Um, but it's called Focus and Fulfilled. And then I do also like scrolling through Instagram. It's not technically a marketing thing for me, but like, you know, I'm a millennial. And so I'm at Coach Keds on all social media. And the easiest way to remember it is the shoes, but I'm not the shoes. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Coach Keds on Instagram too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you so much, Natalie. This was great. Thank you so much for listening. If you've loved this episode, head on over to iTunes and leave a review. It means the world to me, but more importantly, it helps more women find and benefit from this show. And if you're not already plugged into the Presence and Purpose Facebook group, come join us. I want you to get plugged into the community and get the support you need because we're not meant to do this whole business thing alone. Until next time.